Well, we are only a, a week and a half away from the 70th anniversary of the NHS, um, which, of course, brought um, across the country medical care that's free at the point of delivery. During those years, there's been a constant evolution of procedures and medicine. Uh, things are available now which uh, could only have been dreamt of back at the start of the health service. In fact, there's probably treatments now for illnesses and disease that we didn't even know about back in 1948. That said, we also know too well that there is no treatment or cure for everything. Even in our well-provided, scientifically supported society, there is not always an answer. Taxes may be rising to fund the future of the health service, but whatever its budget and whatever new developments come, it will never be the case that it will always treat everyone and everyone will live. There are two medical issues in our passage today, um, both of which have no treatment at the time available. Yet faith in Jesus gives the people hope and ultimately their petitions are answered in both circumstances. There is a difficult path for the one who needs healing. Mark weaves these two stories, one within the other, as he does on a number of occasions. And that might cause us to look for similarities and also differences between the two circumstances. A clear connection might appear to be the length of the illness suffered by the woman and the age of Jairus' daughter. They're both 12, 12 years she has been bleeding, 12 years the age of the daughter. But considered opinion will normally give the answer no. And a better start is maybe for us not to think of the health, but to think of what status these people have in the society. Jairus is the synagogue leader, perhaps the highest-ranking person within the town. He's a man of power and of authority, a man of ritual and of word. The woman is the lowest. She is ritually unclean. She is unable to attend the place of worship. She is not able to offer sacrifice. For year after year after year, she has been made unwelcome. That's her, excluded. And not just unwelcome in the synagogue, 
but unwelcome in her community. Instead of the privilege that Jairus would know, the woman is pushed aside. An untouchable person without the family also becoming unclean. Wherever she sat, sat down, wherever she lay, that would also be considered unclean. And so she sought medical treatment. But the doctors of the day took her money and did not give her good health. She simply became poorer. And during that period of time, no one could touch her. No one could embrace. But she summons up the courage to touch, to reach out. And just the gentlest touch of Jesus' clothes, his cloak, with a hope that that tiny interaction will change her life and give her wholeness. Jesus notices that touch. He notices when we appeal to him, when we bring our prayers, they are heard, however short, however loud we speak them, maybe silently in our heart, he hears that prayer. The touch, in contrast to the great pushing and shoving going on around, is felt. Our gentle words, in contrast to the great noise of the world. Our prayers are heard. The rest of the crowd is just pushing and shoving. They are not reaching out for the touch. They are not seeking the healing that could so easily come and that this woman knows in her heart is available Instead, they just surround him. But she sees the power and presence of God. And Jesus knows that at that touch that she gives, that there is a significant thing happening. It's not an exertion of force, but the faith that led to the touch that he is aware of. It is like the story of the widow's might. Jesus watched and saw the small offering going in at the temple. Not the great show Not the mighty display that some would have it be, 
that this lady takes the humblest approach. If I just touch his clothes, she doesn't expect to speak to him. She doesn't deign to ask him because she fears that rejection that might come because of who she is. She is a nobody. But to Jesus, she is a somebody, and she responds. He takes the time. He stops everything for her. He knows her presence and gives her his blessing. She has already been healed by the touch, but he blesses her and brings an assurance of what has happened. Jesus didn't allow the healing to go unnoticed. It would have been easy for him to simply carry on walking. He had somewhere to get to. But he instead requires of the woman a confession of faith, a declaration of what was on her heart, not so that the healing could take place, not so that he could discover why he would have known that woman's medical history without hearing it, just like he knew the backstory of the Samaritan woman at the well in John's Gospel. But here she needs to speak so that she is no longer a hidden person cast aside by society. The crowd who normally would have shunned her are made to stop and give her space and witness how she, who hadn't been able to worship, is now able to bow before her Lord. And in response, they will hear the blessing upon her. More to that blessing than a wish of good health. He frees her from her suffering. Not just the suffering of the bleeding, but of the religious and social exclusion she knew. It's a blessing for wholeness and for peace. There might be folk here who would simply mill about in the crowd. There might be folk here that sing the words of the hymns but might not have enough trust in what the Lord can do to be able to reach out and touch. They do not know yet the real blessing and the peace that he would give them that the Lord promises to those who do ask, those that do reach out. And it may be that they would rather be hidden than experience his healing power. And of course, there might be others among us that have been reaching out for years 
there might be some among us that have spent hours on their knees, physically or metaphorically, crying prayers that they feel are not being answered. And there might be a lot of pain among folk gathered here or beyond. And they read this story and think, well, why does this woman in the gospel who barely touches get her healing when I've been grasping after him for years and seeing nothing in return? And such experience, such a feeling is painful. We often don't see the outcome of our desires. Healing for our friends, for our family, for ourselves. Why is our prayer seemingly sometimes unanswered? The other half of the passage might help us understand a little of this, if not give the revelation we want for our own circumstances. For the whole reading began with Jairus, a man whose colleagues have treated Jesus with suspicion. Not a ruler, but someone whom people would have bowed before. Yet in this, he bows before Jesus. And he seeks the Lord's aid. He has faith and he trusts. Like the women we have just looked at, Jairus would have explored every avenue. Seeking a path for the health of his daughter. He would be in a desperate state as he comes before Jesus. She is in bed dying. And he goes out to seek the one possible solution. He's trusting that Jesus can do what no one else can. But then I wonder... With that in mind, and as Jesus starts to walk towards his home and starts to walk towards that daughter, what came to his mind as Jesus stopped and looked around and started to hear a story about what happened in a woman's life and gives her a blessing? How would he be feeling as that happened? Jairus has an urgency, but Jesus, although he has been trusted in and he seems to be coming, stops on the way. I'm sure Jairus was kind of pulling his hair out at that point, thinking, come on, let's get a move on. If we don't go now, it's not going to happen. 
And then as the conversation with the woman comes to an end, every father's worst fears are realized. The news comes that the daughter is dead. That's it. All is lost. People from the home say to him, don't bother the teacher anymore. That's it all over now. And there'll be questions in the back of his mind of, you know, if he'd not stopped walking, if he just kept coming, surely we would have got there. Surely things would have been different. Why could my prayer not be answered? Don't bother the teacher. And Jesus cut straight through that. He cares deeply about that situation. He cares deeply about you. He cares for you. When it seems all is lost, when the diagnosis you've dreaded is announced, when the news cannot get any worse, Jesus is still there. And he says, do not be afraid. And he walks on with you. Like the woman who reached out to Jairus has uh, reached out, Jairus has to trust. He has to dream the impossible dream. He has to believe that there is something that can still happen. His original prayer has not been answered. He's heard that his daughter is dead. But he has to still trust in Jesus. How much faith does he have in the one he is with? If the daughter is dead, is that the end? Is his prayer unanswered? Is there now no hope? With faith in the Lord, something can happen. It might not be what we imagine. It might not be the exact words being answered. God sometimes has something different in store for us. And that can be a painful journey to go on. But the God who loves us hears and he responds. In the first century, mortality rates would not have been as we expect them to be today. That said, 
the death of a girl aged 12 would still have been an unusual thing. Children died quite frequently quite young. But if they'd survived infancy, they would be expected to reach adulthood. And it's the same in the world today. The mortality rates for under fives is still quite high in many parts of the world. But between 5 and 14, there is a much better chance of life. This child would have expected to grow into an adult. But yet, as they arrive at the house, there's wailing in the street. Tears are being shed. And the news of the daughter's death is widely known. The mourners knew what death looked like. They would have seen it often enough. And so they scoff at Jesus and his words. She is but asleep. They don't put their faith in the Lord. And they are rightly excluded from seeing what happens in the girl's room. Jesus is not a traveling circus. He's not there to put on a show and then move on leaving a yellowing patch of grass. In front of a select few, a miracle is performed and the 12-year-old is raised from her deathbed. She is well and the family are told to feed her and her recovery seems complete. The immediate outcome, how quickly she recovers, how she is able to stand up and walk, is probably not what the family expected. That's probably far beyond the depth of their original prayer. But it gives us an understanding that death is not the boundary line from which there is no hope. In Christ, all things are possible, and with him there is life. We might not see as many miracles as we read about in the Bible, but they can occur. Likewise, we might expect to see the miracle, but the Lord has something different in store for us. There can be healing. There can be a wholeness that doesn't come from the recovery of the illness that we are praying about. The health service 
is where I started. And it is an amazing thing. And the people within it are amazing. And I'm not just saying that because of my wife being in the room. But it can never treat or cure everything. And each of us will be at some point in our life probably sat in a room struggling to understand and perhaps needing to wipe away tears. If the condition has lasted a long time with seemingly no end in sight or the prognosis does not sound good, you are not alone. But you are not alone, not simply because other people have been there too, but you are not alone because the Lord is with you. You can have faith in Jesus. And in that faith, you can still have hope. May he strengthen and bless each one of you each day. And may you seek his touch.